Welcome to the Lynn Sanity, a podcast for the Running Hook Podcast. And welcome to another edition of the Lynn Sandy Podcast, a part of the Running Hook Podcast Network. And before we get into the pod and, you know, introduce our guests for this week, I just want to give a uh, friendly reminder to, you know, you know, don't be afraid to give the five star uh, review. Uh, give us those comments on uh, on YouTube or Spotify. Uh, if you think if you think the Lynn Sanity needs some work, please don't be afraid to say something. Uh, you know, we obviously are wide open for that. Uh, we have plenty of other podcasts that are looking for that feedback as well. So do not be afraid to, you know, just say, hey, you know, I'd like to hear this or I'd want to hear that. You know, don't be afraid to do that for us. I know the network will appreciate it. Uh, there's plenty of great content out there with the Divine Rhyme. We also have Circle City Cinema. We have the Alex and Dylan Basketball Power Hour, which is really starting to get going as basketball season is just around the corner. Uh, it, triple Option Podcast. I mean, there's so much to, 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 you know, to ultimately listen to, to get into. Uh, so please do not be afraid to listen to that. And now we will get into the pod. And I am very excited as uh, my co-host, my, my normal co-host, uh, he, he's, he's on a wedding. He, he grew up. He, uh, he went, he had a wedding. He's like, no, I got to go to Cancun. I was like, okay, well, I got to go find somebody for this week. And that brings me into the one and only biggest Homer Green Bay Packer fan that I know, William Hogshead. Hogshead, it is a privilege to have you on the Lynn Sandy. Just the two of us. I think it'll be some good conversation and I'm looking forward to what's going to come out. Quality conversation, Lynn. I mean, that's that's just the crux of what this is going to be. Yes. Uh, as you mentioned, Shaddy is on a honeymoon right now because he got married. You sure? Uh, it was it was a good wedding. Caleb was in it. Uh, I sure we was. There. We all had a good time. The the podcast network kind of got together uh, for a special night for Bryce. So, oh, yeah. uh, it was it was good. It was good. So oh, yeah. uh, there might be a little bit more about that later in the pod. Could be. Uh, but, uh, for now I'm excited to get on, get on, talk some football, Caleb, because man, oh, yeah. have I been losing a lot of money this season? How uh, oh, have you, have you, should I not be taking your gambling advice? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> no, I mean, I, but the thing is when I look back on it, Lynn, it's like, damn, I should have, I should have known that. And we're going to get into hmm. that for like the Bronco Broncos and Steelers. Like I bet on the Broncos sure. and I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> Looking back at it, I'm like, okay, the Steelers have been playing bad and the fucking Broncos have been out of their minds. So that's obviously a trap game for betters. But looking forward to chat some football, Caleb. Oh, yeah, it'll be great. Uh, The wedding was great. Uh, I thought it was so great that I passed out. Uh, overall, I thought it was I thought it was a great experience, and uh, you know we'll move on uh, to our normal segments, and then we'll get into the game. So, well, I just want to start off with this one. You know, this is the favorite for everybody: the get the sack segment. Will, who did you think was a get the sack candidate for this week after following these games and seeing what these games provided for us? Got to be uh, Urban Meyer, and I, I hate saying oh, it wow. because okay. that's the basic one. That's the basic one, right? But sure. the team's not behind him. This was a big week to see. It's like, okay, how would the team respond to all the uh, all the shit that's gone on in the press? And uh, he got lucky a little bit early, but at the end of the day, second half, Derrick Henry is just like after he's worn the defense down. That guy is literally insane. He, good for two touchdowns. Yeah every in the second half alone. And so he got one. There's, there's nothing you could really do against the Titans, but man, I, I, I just feel like this saga in Jacksonville needs to get over with already. I mean, because I feel like everyone knows what's going to happen at the end of the season and you got Trevor Lawrence, you want to do everything you can not right. to ruin that. So it's like, get, just get him out of here, man. Give him the fucking sack. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, I, I get it. You know, he's 0-5. I mean, he's not, doesn't look like he's going to win. He, he keeps making quotes like it's going to be realistic that he's going to be able to throw for 250 yards and rush for 250 yeah, yards. I don't know if just, you saw that, but that, no, it's, like, I did. Just, yeah. it's like, it's like, that's just not going to work in the NFL. And, you know, this was a game where they're at home and you shouldn't, you shouldn't be, you know, getting pounded the way that you did, right? 37 and 19, I think is inexcusable. I don't care what the team is. Uh, I I think it's a totally fair one. For me, you know, I had to really think about this. I was like, all right, there's a ton of people I could do. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to look at this game and really to look at 
you know, the season, but I, I'm going to go with Vic Fangio, man. I, I really am. You know, I'm disappointed at the fact that, you know, it felt like it was almost impossible for them to get going against the Steelers. And you mentioned it, you know, it's like they were playing really well, you know, through the first four games and rightfully so. Uh, but, but it was almost, it felt impossible for this offense to get going to the second half, right? When Vic Fangio all of a sudden realizes I have to actually throw the freaking ball and not just run the whole gosh dang ball the whole time. You, you, you're not going to win. You're not going to win without some sort of balance. And, you know, one of the critiques to me with Fangio is his lack of really just putting together smart, efficient offense. And for crying out loud, that's just not what he is doing right now. This is a team that has a chance to be really good given their defense, but he's not surrounding himself with the right minds. And I think that showed, I think it showed on the road at Pittsburgh. So for me, it's what I lean towards. Uh, but let's get into offensive player of the week. Well, do you have a offensive player that stood out to you from this week's games? You, you said it. As uh, you opened up the show, Lynn, but you already know where I'm going with this one. Devontae Adams, the number no, one fair. wide receiver in the <laughs> NFL. Like, I'm sorry about you, Caleb. This Everyone who knows me knew I was going right here for this. But career high in yards, 206. Now, he did have uh, 16 targets, which, I mean – if you're Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, you know, five or six years into your career, sure. why not throw it at him all the time? Uh, they're on a different, they're on a different wavelength. It's so fun to watch. He had a TD, uh, great performance. We'll talk about that game later because man, that 200 yards is 200 yards, right? I mean, he, he absolutely did that against a team that was looking really good heading into that game against the Packers. Right. And they gave the Packers a run for their money. I understand the missed field goals, but 200 yards, 200 yards. Yeah. Uh, he did whatever he wanted against the Bengals. He, he just, I totally understand that one for me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to pick Lamar Jackson. You know, at this point you got to consider him maybe as an MVP front runner. Okay. He goes out, he throws for 440 yards. He goes for four touchdowns and he just does it all over Bryce's Colts, his lousy Colts <laughs> defense, his lousy garbage Colts defense. He throws for four touchdowns, 400 yards. He didn't do it off the run, Bryce. He didn't turn the ball over. He came out. He had a fantastic game. And for all the people that said that he's not able to have great games in the passing, you know, he's, he has to do it all through the running. Well, I would suggest just look at the film. Look at the film from Monday and then call me back later and then apologize to me about the fact that, you know, Lamar is that good. He is. Yeah. He's in it. He is right now. Well, he is in that. You could argue he's the best quarterback this year. Okay, when you look at the stat, when you look at what he's been doing and how he's doing it with the obstacles that's been given, uh, phenomenal. And I think this week only just cemented that and, you know, could put him in a position where maybe an MVP, a second one for him is very likely. Yeah, I I, I definitely see that, Caleb. Now, he did struggle a bit early. He struggled a bit early, but man, once once the Ravens kind of took off in that game, Lamar took them and he didn't stop until the game was over and they won that game. Now having uh, Mark Andrews as a target red zone target helps as well. Don't get me wrong, but you're right. He threw for uh, 400 yards, but still got it done on the ground. Uh, the rest of the Ravens offense didn't get done on the ground, which was kind of like a storyline, but we'll talk about that. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Who is your defensive player of the week? Well, Gotta be uh, Darius Slay. I mean, I like that. Uh, and I'm I'm in I'm in another fantasy league, Caleb, where uh, we play. We have defensive players, right? Okay. So we get two uh, we get two defensive backs, two linebackers, and then um, two defensive linemen. You could stream a bunch of these guys off the waiver wire, and it's like I should have known this is a fantasy move when a player has a baby. The week before, always pick him up. Always put money on him if you're better. And it showed. He had a baby. He goes out there and gets uh, two picks, you know, three total tackles. Just a hell of a game. Uh, but that, that game, I, I don't know how much of that was Sam Darnold and sure. uh, how much of that was Slay. But the guy had a baby. He gets two picks in a game. Just a great weekend for him, really. Yeah. I, I mean, and – you know, they came back in this game, right? I mean, the, the Panthers were looking like they were going to win. Then the Eagles get something going. They get that comeback going. Large part of that had to do with the defense. And you know, Darius Slay is a top corner in this league. You know, and he he came out and, and absolutely put on a show. 
I got nothing wrong with that. Uh, my AFC, really, he's in the AFC, uh, but the AFC also thought he was really good because they gave him the defensive player of the week as well, is Gregory Rousseau, which, you know, the guy, the rookie here, he goes in, he gets two sacks in this game. He gets a pick off Mahomes, an amazing pick in Mahomes at that. The tip pass just where it's like Mahomes is thinking he's going to get it right by his hands. He just gets that tip. It's such an incredible play for a defensive lineman to make. And if you're the Bills, the Bills said, look, I want to get pass rush, right? I want to get on to Mahomes. I'm sick and tired of Mahomes just running around all freaking day with nobody getting sacks on him. Mm-hmm. The Bills, the Bills went out. They tried to fix that issue in the draft. And the performances that a guy like Rousseau gives you has to make you feel better if you're the Bills, that you're closing that gap. Or heck, Absolutely. you might be above that gap. Yeah, you might be the best yeah. team in the AFC. Yeah. And that's a big and that's a big deal. I mean, because yeah. a lot of people thought the Chiefs were going to have it for a long time. The Bills might be there in the short term, well, faster than we think. I definitely uh, agree. Yeah. Yeah. And and we'll get we'll get right into that game as well. Uh but well, I feel like we got to start off uh, with what's really been happening uh, since Friday. Uh, Wall Street, New York Times articles, just all about the situation with John Gruden. John Gruden making comments, racist comments, uh, you know, comments that are making fun of just so many, an incredible amount of people. I can't even really fully um, explain it in the right way because it's just simply gross what Gruden did. It's gross. It's it, it is no business being in the National Football League. If, if you're going to, as the National Football League, put all these, you know, no racism or end racism or make sure that you're donating to all of these social causes, well, you have to be able to act upon that. They did that with Gruden. Uh, personally, I thought it was, they should have done it Saturday, they should have done yeah. it before he even coached against the Bears, but at least the Raiders are moving on. The league kind of forced them to move on. Yeah, uh, right. Will, what was your thoughts and what are your thoughts as we're hearing more and more about this Gruden situation and how they only found this really because of an investigation on one team, the Washington yeah. football team? It just makes you wonder, like, is this happening in more places than we think? Oh, dude. Absolutely, uh, Caleb. And it's like, especially with Gruden, maybe not so much other coaches, but especially with Gruden, it's like, are we surprised? You know what I mean? Just because of who Gruden is. And, you know, that's shitty to say, but it's just reality of the situation. I think like you mentioned, Caleb, it's like how many of these guys are, you know, saying this stuff? I mean, Gruden's probably an idiot for putting it in an email, right? Uh, But, I mean, I I feel like that kind of culture – is kind of normalized a a bit in the national football league. And so, um, you know, I think something that caused the, caused the NFL to force their hand on Gruden specifically was uh, the fact that Gruden was hating on Roger Goodell in the comments, especially too. Yeah. And Goodell was like, all right, man, that's, I feel like Goodell was like all the other stuff, that's football stuff, but that's, uh, you're coming a little bit too hard at me there. Right. Right. I mean, I think that obviously I think that played a factor into it, the way that he was calling Goodell, what he called him. I mean, it was not right. It was not there was no business for that. You know, and, and, you know, you were hearing different players that, you know, were under Gruden when Gruden was coaching in Tampa or so have you say, well, you know, I'm not completely shocked by this. You know, you were hearing Keyshawn Johnson say, well, I kind of thought he was a fraud. And, you know, then you would hear people that would say, well, you know, I thought he was a nice guy, uh, but, you know, he, it, does it fully shock me? No, not really. Yeah. You know, there were all these, there was a, and I think that says a lot. Well, because as a coach, I feel like your character, no matter who it is, should be consistent with every single guy in the locker room, mm-hmm. right? Like if you and I, if you and I went into the Colts locker room, for example, and we sat and talked with, and, and talked with players and we just asked about Frank, Wright, mm-hmm. Like when the answers we should be looking for, they should, for the most part, be pretty similar with every single guy in the locker room, mm-hmm. right? It shouldn't be like, well, this guy did one thing and, and, that, and then this guy feels the other way. That's what I feel like it was with John Gruden, right? Yeah. You know, he, yeah. there's too many guys that feel one way and the other way or one way and the other. And that's, that's not right. It should be crystal clear what he is. You should mm-hmm. easily be able to point out his character mm-hmm. and you should easily be able to point out and say, well, everybody agrees with how he acts and how he portrays himself. Now, granted, you know, obviously some of these players weren't able to fully recognize it at first because it's not going those negative thoughts aren't going through their minds. They're focused on a game and they're focused on what they're trying to do. And, you know, for them to hear and see these emails, I mean, obviously for some of them, that's 
very alarming. And in the case of somebody like Carl Nassib, you know, he's taken a personal day uh, because it's it's just a lot to take in. I mean, he, it's, it's, it's just embarrassing to me that Gruden has put the players in the position that he has. It's embarrassing to me that he's putting the coaching staff in the position that he's putting them in. And this was a team, Will, that I, literally three weeks ago, two weeks ago, we're like, the Raiders look revamped. The Raiders yeah. look rejuvenated. Yeah. And now it's gone. Now it feels like we are, they've just flushed. Yeah. And, you know, not to take away from what's happening and continuing to be investigated, but this team feels flush. This organization is flushed. And I think you I don't see know how they that were on Sunday. I think right. he started to see that on Sunday. You know, yeah. I feel like the players were uh, it's kind of like the Jacksonville situation, only probably exponentiated by like five because of right. uh, the severity of what kind of Gruden was saying. Uh, and so you're right. It, it, it is kind of sad, you know, after the, the Raiders kind of surprise everyone with beating Baltimore, this kind of happening. It's like, what can we expect for the rest of the season? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and obviously how the players handle this, the storylines, all that stuff, it's going to be, you know, something to definitely watch and just see how this organization and really how the NFL handles this. Right. Yeah. Uh, this is a wake up. I shouldn't say a wake up. Um, this is just one of those things where, you know, people, need to understand that there's still toxicity in the NFL mm-hmm. and you know, there's still gotta be things that get addressed. Okay. I mean, the fact is the same people are still in power. Okay. All these changes are being made. All these donations were happening, but the same people are still in power. Right. So the fact is if it's happening from ownership like positions or head coach like positions, change is all the way going to be there. Well, you know what I mean? There's going to have to be a level of pressure that people are putting on them. Like, you know, I think that those, all of those emails should be available for the public. I think all yeah. those emails should be available. That has to be happening. Uh, I, to me, this is just, it's sad. It's gross. Uh, and, you know, for John Gruden, I, I don't think he shouldn't, I don't think you should coach in the NFL again. I know I wouldn't. How do you think, uh, how do you think the locker room feels about Deuce Gruden <laughs> still being the strength and conditioning coach? I, I mean, that sucks. Yeah. Because you can't. You, you, I mean, yeah, the guy's I, not. I don't know Deuce Gruden. I don't know yeah, Deuce Gruden, yeah. so I'm not going to act like I do. But yeah, but that's probably going to suck for him yeah. every day <laughs> every to have day. to consistently go in the room and consistently. He'll probably have to an- answer different yeah. questions. It's he'll like have it's, to he's constantly gonna overcome pissed. that. Right. He's going to be pissed because right. the guys are going to be like, just automatically because you're the guy's son. Right. You're like, are you? You know that guy raised you, man. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, are you going to be? Right. And so even if are you that Drew guy? is the right. best guy in the world, even if Deuce is like chill and doesn't, you know, say any right. of that shit, they're still going to automatically. And so that's why, you know, the, the lines for the Raiders might not be terrible coming up and I'm, but I'm probably never going to pick them because like, there's just too much going on there. It's kind of similar to Jacksonville. So. Uh, and, and if you're the Raiders and, and something to keep in mind with Deuce is like, the special teams coach and the strength coach is going to probably have pretty strong relationships with just about everybody in the room. Yeah. They're seeing just about everybody in the room. You know, everybody's got to go to the weight room. Yeah. Okay. Everybody's got to get their, their strength and conditioning up. Okay. And if the players are consistently, I mean, part of me would probably have to think, well, I hope he's not like that. I hope he's not like what John he, yeah. was. I hope he's, yeah. I, I, it would be hard to not think about that probably if I was a player. And so, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to speak too much on a guy that I, I don't necessarily know all that much, but, you know, hopefully that, you know, this situation is, you know, basically about John and for Deuce yeah. that he can still do his job, that the players can respect Deuce, that Deuce is respecting them and he's not talking about them in emails behind their back. Yeah. Um, and I, that's the only thing we can really ask. For. Let's pull up so. Deuce's emails, man. What's this yeah. guy saying? Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but anyhow, let's get into the games. Uh, you know, there's there, we got we got a bunch of them. Uh, but you know, well, I feel like we got to start off with this insane offensive game. I mean, just insane. I mean, the Browns and the Chargers just put up points like nobody's business. They they dominated uh, both teams offensively, and both teams we knew could score the ball. But wow, forty nine points, or for pardon, forty seven points, forty two points for the Browns. The Chargers end up winning. Uh, well, what do you, what do you think when you see a score like that? 47-42, two pretty good teams. What were your big takeaways? Game of the year mm. so far. 
I mean, it was probably one of the, it's definitely up there. Top three, most fun games to watch. Uh, my takeaways is Justin Herbert is more than rookie of the year, man. He, that guy is a legitimate MVP candidate. And, you know, the Chargers had a battle. The Chargers had a battle through some adversity. Um, and it's, I, I felt like the whole time that they were, they were the ones that were trying to kind of come back and overtake the game. And uh, I think it's just, I think it's probably the best game of the year. Uh, Eckler kind of got pulled into the end zone uh, by the Browns in that last drive. And whenever that happens, that that's like football that I love. Like Eckler was trying to get down, the Browns pulled him into the end zone. Uh, and it just kind of ended it, it kind of ended with a shootout and it was a shootout. And so uh, the chargers, but both teams are really, really good. Uh, the Browns and Ravens are going to, that's going to be kind of fun battle for that, that division. Yeah. Uh, but I, as for the chargers, especially with, um, uh, with Seattle losing Russ Wilson, you know, I like the, their, their looks at their division as well. And I know Arizona has been going off, but um you know, it, it was like it was like I'm here game for Justin Herbert for me. I mean, the guy the guy just yeah. went off. Sure. No, I mean, that AFC West is terrific. That AFC West, when you got the Chargers, you got the Raiders, you got Denver, you got the Chiefs. The NFC West is terrific because you got the Cardinals, the Rams, Seahawks, and the Niners. I mean, I agree with you. Herbert has put himself in an elite conversation in a top three like MVP potential for the season. He's absolutely done that. Uh, he's carried this team far bigger than I think anyone would have thought in his second year. Uh, for me, you know, when I think about this game, obviously the Eckler play, sure. The Mike Williams dominance this season and the balance that they're getting from yeah. Williams and Allen yeah. has been huge. The defense has made massive improvements. Uh, but Will, I'd be lying to you if I, if I don't think that this game's a little damning for the Browns, man. If you don't trust Baker Mayfield at the end of the game on a third and nine to pick it yeah. up for you, you know, what are you doing? You know, you went out, you picked this guy, number one overall. You've you've put the resources there with him in Odell Beckham Jr. And and obviously Jardis Landry, you know, if he was healthy, yeah. would be in those situations, but he's not. But the fact is, when you have a talent like Odell Beckham Jr., you just get him the ball. Okay. Yeah. You're just designing the play, you're just saying, let's just get it to him. He's he's that good. Okay. And maybe he's maybe he's had it down a couple seasons because of the injury. Okay, but yeah. the talent level of this guy is just as good as any receiver you throw at me. Okay, yeah, so just so trust it. That's why I, I I wonder if the Browns necessarily trust Odell because he has had those down seasons off the injury because even in the beginning with the Browns, he was still very, very good. And since then, it's just it's just feel feels like that he's kind of dropped off a cliff a little bit. And I, I kind of feel what you're saying when, you know, he has that potential s still there, but he doesn't have a quarterback that can, you know, get it to him like Aaron Rodgers or Justin sure. Herbert, for example. Sure. Uh, and so that's going to hurt the Browns. But I think, you know, especially with their offense, running the ball kind of all the time, being yeah. one of the run focused teams in the league, you don't, you know, you don't expect much from Baker Mayfield. And I think right. a lot of the criticism that he would be getting uh, because of his inability to kind of throw the ball up with some of the other people um, is being kind of hidden by how good the Browns run game is. And so I think you kind of, you're, you're right, Caleb, it is damning because it's like, you're going to need to throw the ball to win games, you know, in the, in the late part of the game. And right. if defenses can just sell out the run a little bit, maybe play a zone coverage, knowing that, you know, Baker's not going to be too insanely accurate with it. Uh, that just limits the options on offense. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think when I, when I look at this for the Browns, you know, they've, they've got the offensive line that's check. Uh, you know, they, they, they've been able to get good production from Baker Mayfield. And I, I just want to make that clear. Everybody's ripping this guy. Okay. Baker Mayfield is a good quarterback. Okay. I mm -hmm. picked the Browns before the season to potentially win the Super Bowl. Okay. I, yeah, I, I like this team. I like what this team can be. So I'm not, so I just want to be clear that yes, Baker Mayfield has certainly had his moments where they may not trust him, I think you can still win and win big with Baker Mayfield as your quarterback. The, the thing that the, the key is going to be, Will, what, how much money does Baker Mayfield want as he's coming up and getting closer to that contract? Because he shouldn't be touching Lamar money, right? He no. shouldn't be touching. There's a middle gap, and Baker Mayfield is the definition of the middle gap, and that's not a bad thing mm -hmm. uh, because you can start. He should be able to start. 
that you should be able to start no matter what. Yeah. It's just a matter of how much, how he values himself and where the Browns value him. And I think it's a bigger picture conversation to really keep an eye on, uh, but that defense stunk too. I mean, I, I yeah. did the fact they gave a 47, I get the Chargers offense was great, but man, uh, you know, both defenses didn't play an insanely uh, great game, but I think a lot of it has to do with the offense. So I'm not, as concerned, just two good teams going at it. Next, uh, Ravens and Colts, uh, Monday night showdown, which you know, I'm just going to be quite honest. I thought Baltimore was absolutely going to smack the Colts. I thought, they were, I thought it was going to be close. I thought Carson Wentz was going to look silly. I thought that the Colts were just going to be pretty much beaten up the entire game. Uh, but, you know, Will, I... That that was that was not that was, really was not the case. They they competed. They they absolutely did everything they could to get that second win. They just didn't. Thirty one to 20, 25. Will, how do you see this game from the Ravens and the Colts? The Ravens moving on to four and one. The Colts going to one and four. It was a big win for the Ravens for their team moving forward. Uh, and we'll talk about this with the Packers, but there's something uh, to winning close games within the season that uh, creates like a, a bond before the team, between the teammates and, you know, being down so much Lamar struggling a bit earlier and then kind of leading them to the win, getting those two extra points or two point conversions, which getting the touchdowns alone is pretty good, pretty tough, but converting two straight uh, conversions, two point conversions, that's just insane. I mean, that, that truly is insane. And, you know, the Colts had this game that came out hot. They were obviously motivated. They wanted to win. Um, and, and they, in that first half, they really, really did play well. Uh, the Wentz fumble, everyone's going to talk about. It. I don't think he had a bad game, but that was a bad moment for him. Uh, that was really big in the game. And that, that, that definitely kind of helped them. Baltimore's momentum kind of take over. But, uh, you know, they kind of, it kind of seemed like the second half was just a little bit flat for the Colts. And if you're going to win, if you're going to win games in the NFL, you can't just kind of give up a half or a quarter like that. Yeah. And, you know, they tried, they tried, and you just got to keep that same energy throughout halftime and, you know, just keep putting it in the end zone. Jonathan Taylor, an absolute beast. There's no doubt about it. This was kind of like, yeah. I'm back game. I mean, he, he'd been decently quiet to start the season. And so uh, it's, that, that was kind of good for Colts fans to see him kind of get going. But in the end, it wasn't enough. And I think it comes down to just who's the best player on the field. That that That's more of a basketball argument. But this game, it's like Lamar Jackson snatched that game from the Colts' yeah. hands. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. That gap between Lamar Jackson and Carson Wentz was just on display. There's just no other way to look at it. It needed to be won by a quarterback. One of the quarterbacks had to carry the game. That was Lamar Jackson. And I think if you're the Colts, you're panicked. You're one and four. You're you're a team that I think, you know, if you put a game script together, Will, of an ideal Colts game, this is the game script. Limiting a team to 31 points, getting about three or three touchdowns, you know, in the sense of, you know, Wentz had 400 yards. He looked good. Jonathan Taylor ran the ball well. They had balanced running game. The receivers look good and you still couldn't pull it off. You yeah. still couldn't pull it off. I think that's a problem for the Colts, a team that had high expectations, a team that traded a first round pick to get a top 25 quarterback at best. At best, yeah. it's 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 just it's it's a it's a game that I think Colts fans should simply be panicked. If I'm the Ravens, I mean I, I gotta say that's kind of a lucky win. Yeah. I mean it's kind of a lucky win, and and that's that that's happens. That's what good teams do, though. That's, that's what happens, what right? Do, that's yeah. what happens, and they they just got the right side of it. Mm -hmm. uh, next up, Will is uh, is your beloved Green Bay Packers uh, winning twenty five to twenty two over the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. Will. Yeah, talk. This was a good game. Yeah. I, I was shocked at how good of a game this was. I, I liked the Bengals heading in, but wow, I didn't see him competing this well. Uh, Mason Crosby certainly had to deal with a lot of that. Obviously, the missed field goals weren't good, but pretty good game here between the Bengals and the Packers. Yeah, it was it was a good game, fun to watch. Obviously, being a Packers fan, it kind of like ripped my heart out. The best moment of the game, though, was in overtime when the Bengals kicker kicked the field goal and thought it went through and threw his hands up and started celebrating on the field. Did you see that, Caleb? I did. I saw a little bit of it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he thought it yes. went through. He started <laughs> celebrating with his teammates and yes. the guy's like, no, but it missed. Yeah, um, yes. <laughs> we talked about Devontae 
Aaron Jones had a decent game. Uh, the Packers' offense is is good, obviously, uh, but I'm not gonna lie and say, you know, all these games seem pretty close. You know what I mean? And part of me is like, yeah, it's. It, I think it's some of it's good. Because it's like the Packers, you know, whenever you win close games, like I said with the Ravens, I think it does something to the, the locker room that, you know, you can't find in the stats. And and so that that side, it's good for the Packers to be, you know, building that team chemistry and, you know, building the morale and the confidence to, in late games, know that they've done it before and winning. But, you know, the other, the other part of it's like, Caleb, you know, the Bengals have looked good this season. So don't get me wrong, but... Sure. You know, you got to You got to kind of and it was on the road. So maybe that's partly an excuse. But still, I feel like that should have been, you know, maybe a touchdown 10 point game. Right. Right. I mean, I I, I'm with you. I, I didn't see it coming. And I and I think that, you know, this game really showed me well is, you know, Green Bay's got a stable group of guys there that have been in those big games and been there and done that. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the Cincinnati Bengals as a good football team have not been in games like that as a good football team, not, not last year where they sucked. I'm not going there. Okay. I'm talking about this year. I'm talking about what's going on with them right now. These are the type of games that is, are so good to have moving forward for your group. Your goal wasn't to go 12 and four or 12 and five this season. What was it your goal if you were Cincinnati? You wanted to see some improvement, some competitiveness. And clearly, they're showing that this season. Clearly. And I think if you're the Bengals, this is just only getting you more excited for the future. Because yeah. Joe Burrow looks like a legit, great long-term quarterback. They've got high-level production at wide receiver. And that defense will. I'm shocked at the def- defense improvements. Fact is, they own, they gave up 25 points to a Good Aaron Rodgers offense, two touchdowns. They forced the pick. You know, I'm not mad necessarily if I'm a Bengal fan. I'm just tipping my cap to the Packers. They've just been there, done that. And that's just yeah. what it came down to. That's just what yeah. it came down to. Uh, next up, uh, we got the Bills and the Chiefs, Sunday Night Football, uh, where the Kansas City Chiefs will are two and three. Yeah. Two and or two and three. Bills are four and one. Bill or Will, do we have a change of the uh the top of the pecking order for you in the AFC. Do we, are the Buffalo Bills the best team in the AFC here? Absolutely. And and it's it's due to the fact that the Chiefs have been so good. Uh it's it's due to the fact that the Chiefs have been so good. This year they just simply aren't. They aren't. But the last three years, four years even maybe, every team in the AFC, NFL even maybe, have been trying to build a blue point, uh blueprint to beat the Chiefs. And now this is the season where it's like, okay, they've kind of figured it out. Right. You know, and it's, it's if, if you're a Chiefs fan, I, I got to imagine it's extremely sad. Uh, but the yes. fact is, the fact is, I'm not, I think people in the NFL, teams in the NFL have figured out the Chiefs. And that's not to say they can't, they, they still can't overpower you with their superstars, right? On sure. offense, especially. Sure. But I mean, if you just, you know, hold on to the ball and make plays defensively and kind of grab the game from the balls, uh, that it, it's, it's over, you know? And I, what I liked about the Bills were on that first drive, they ran you know, QB draws all the time, just surprise and kind of grab the game from the balls, you know, and kind of, and the chiefs that's happened to them a couple of times this year where they're like, shit, hold up. We got to kind of play from behind now. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I think it was a really good game for the bills. And I, I, I think that they're the team to beat in the AFC. Uh, as of right now, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I I totally, I totally agree. And I am, I, I said it last week and I'll say it again. Uh, I would be panicking so hard if I was a Kansas city chiefs, you are two and three, you were supposed to be over the top in the AFC Super Bowl favorites and border. The fact, the fact of the matter will is, you know, they're, they're just, they're just sitting there getting, you know, hey, well, we got Patrick Mahomes, and so therefore we can just win every game. Yeah. In, in the National Football League, that's just simply not how it works, and it's yeah. never worked like that, okay? It's it's never worked like that. Even when you look at Tom Brady's dynasties, what do they have? Great defense. Kansas City Chiefs 
average defense. And not to mention the fact that Patrick Mahomes is turning the ball over like it's nobody's business. Yeah. It's like stealing a it's like stealing candy from a baby, Will. Okay. It's like Mahomes is not being consistent with his mm-hmm. approach right now. He's just too he's just not being smart. He's not making the easy plays. Mm-hmm. Right. And that you can't have that. When you're a team as reliant on a top offense as the Chiefs are, you just follow the dollars. When you realize how much they put into that offense and that offense isn't getting you where it needs to get you, well, then that's a problem. People want to criticize the defense, and I understand that. It hasn't been good. It's been awful. But the offense has to get criticism because straight up, the Kansas City Chiefs built their team to outscore, not defend, outscore. They're not outscoring. Yeah. And I think that's the problem. I think the ceiling still is there for the Chiefs, though. And so I'm not I'm not hitting panic button too hard. I I am pressing panic button. I I am pressing. but I'm not slamming it because I think the the capability to outscore teams is still there. It's just like at this point in the season, the execution is not it's not been happening. And so could they prove us wrong? I, I genuinely think that they could still go and win a Super Bowl if they get things figured out. Uh but it's just not happening at this point. And at this point, the bills are the better team. I agree. Not much else to say. Uh, San Francisco and Arizona, Uh, Arizona continuing to be undefeated. San Francisco takes another loss. They are two and three on the season. Cardinals are five and oh, well, what do you think of the five and oh, Arizona Cardinals? How do you think, you know, we should be looking at this team right now, a team that's got a lot of young pieces developing, Right. They don't look like anything like they were last year. This team looks more confident. This team's got more swagger and charisma. This looks like a different group than what we've seen in the past. Yeah. But, you know, do you think they're the real deal? Do you think that the Cardinals are that good? See, I don't I don't think they're the real deal. I think that this is like uh, the second year or or the middle phase of Mm. the building of a championship team. Uh, I think that this is a year where they get down at the at the end of the season and then maybe they learn a lesson, right? Where they take they take a hard loss or, or a close loss and then come back next year knowing, all right, we're going to fucking win this thing this time. Uh, but that doesn't deny the fact that they're good. I think they're just still a bit too young. Uh, but, you know, San Fran for being two and three, I think that they're a decent team. You know, I think they played decently well. Uh, I think Garoppolo is kind of essential in that that aspect. Uh, I'm not saying he's a great quarterback, but he's kind of like Baker Mayfield. He could kind of carry a, carry a over the over the hump a little bit. But you know, uh, the Cardinals. Now, it wouldn't surprise me. I think they're obviously going to make it into the playoffs, win the division. I, I don't think I see that happening. That's fair. But uh, they're going to be in the playoffs, and so uh, I definitely anything could happen. And, and so far, you know, Kyler's an MVP candidate, uh, but that's kind of how it always is in the beginning of the season, right, Caleb? That's how it was last season. And so, absolutely, I think I think the big test for the Cardinals is to see them continue this pace, and not you know the five and zero pace where they have to go undefeated for the season, but sure. You know, you have 12 games left, right? There, there's 17 games in this season. I say, you know, if 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 they lose three, I I I I'd be afraid of them in uh in the playoffs. But you know, if they go like six and six to end the season, then you know it's kind of like the classic Cardinals that 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 we expect. So I believe will that the next three games for the Arizona Cardinals will test exactly what they are and who they are and honestly what they're made of. They go on the road to the Browns next week. It's a team that is legit. They're going on the road. You know, maybe you lose that game, maybe you win that game. But if you just get blown out, okay, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. If you face the Texans, you face the Texans at home and people are like, well, yeah, duh, the Cardinals are going to win. But the Cardinals should be winning by a ton mm-hmm. given what they have shown us. This should mm-hmm. not be a seven-point game. We should be talking 14, 20 points. Heck, we should not even be talking about it on that pod. Okay? Yeah. That's not yeah. a game I should be mentioning. Okay? And then they go to the Packers that next week. Well, they play at home against Green Bay. And I think that that three, that set of three tests, how do they compete on the road against a good team? How can they dominate against a team that they should be able to dominate? And then how can they square up against a Packer team that's obviously going to be right in the thick of it yeah. at home? Can they take care of business? Yeah. 
I think when we see all those, when we can see how to grade those effectively, we'll, we'll realize, okay, what the Cardinals have something in store here. You mm-hmm. know, this is not just some cute little gimmick. Okay. This is a team that could be a legitimate threat. And I, I part of me wants them to be, but I agree. Well, this team has had hot stretches, especially early in the season and it's never worked out uh, for the Niners. Trey Lance, obviously he showed that promise. Uh, but man, the Niners still can't get healthy. Uh, yeah. and, and it's, it's especially on offense. Kittle being out uh, as a killer. Uh, when you rely on D, uh, Muhammad Sanu to continuously get snaps, that's an absolute problem. Yeah. Uh, he's as washed as my tide. And then the fact <laughs> is when you have a team that's just not getting enough, you're just not getting enough production from the running game. And that's what this team's been built off of. And, you know, just miss me on Elijah Mitchell completely. Uh, we, we know what he is. He's, he's just an okay running back. He's just okay. He's just, he may be below average, Will. I mean, this is just a bad running game. They got to do something to get more creative there. I like it. I like this win for the Cardinals, but I just, I'm so curious to follow this team moving forward. Yeah. Next up, uh, we talked about a little bit, uh, Pittsburgh and Denver. Will, I know you were saying, man, you thought Denver was playing out of their heads and then they get to Pittsburgh and then they lose. Mm -hmm. Uh, But part of me is also thinking to myself, okay, but what does this say about Pittsburgh? Right. We've called, you know, Everybody thought Big Ben has been kind of trash. There's no other way to put it. Uh, ben Roethlisberger looks like a freaking statue out there. He mm-hmm. he is, he, you know, you might as well just compare him and the Statue of Liberty and it's the same thing. You know, they, they can't, he has just been literally this, you know, a guy that just stands up, doesn't move, no mobility. Uh, the Steelers have been struggling offensively, but somehow, some way, they beat the Denver Broncos well. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Roethlisberger's definitely washed. Don't get me wrong, but that doesn't mean that he can still win games. Like, and you know, when you get the deep balls going, that opens up the running game. And Najee Harris is a legitimate running back. Although he's a rookie, I think he's, you know, a legitimate running back. And whenever you're able to hit the deep balls to Claypool, uh, that one, that was a good one. And kind of, you know, make yeah. the defense guess and not make the defense sell out for the run or just the dump offs and stuff like that. Then, then it opens up the offense. Now will Ben be able to sustain this for the rest of the season? Yeah. You know, we, we don't know. We, we really don't know, but if he's able to, I think that they're a sneaky candidate to get in the playoffs, obviously probably lose in, in the wild card round, but could they get in? Maybe. I mean, they got a team and if they're able to draft a decent quarterback uh, this year, this upcoming year or get a decent quarterback somehow, I think they're legit right away. And so, um, you know, it it just kind of shows the impact of having a quarterback uh, on your team because it's like if they had Baker Mayfield, like let's flip Baker Mayfield. You know, I think, I think that they're a legitimate team. I think that Baker Mayfield is almost in the same position uh, with the Browns. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right with you. Like, I think that's, you know, the way that big Ben plays has the chance to change a team more than any other quarterback with his team. If that Mm -hmm. makes any sense, if big Ben is a little bit above average compared to every quarterback on a week basis, They've got a chance because of their defense and the skill talent around them. Now, obviously, Judas Smith-Schuster being out, yeah. what does that do for them moving forward? You really don't want to rely upon Eric Ebron. You really mm-hmm. don't want to rely upon Pat Fryermuth. You really don't want to apply on Ray Ray McLeod. Okay, you have Claypool. You have Deontay Johnson. Those are two good pieces. You, you know, that's just the fact. And like you said, that running game is good. Uh, but to me, it, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, you know, Denver's got a good defense, so the confidence should be high if you're the Steelers' offense. Yeah. Uh, but Big Ben's the entire – for me, it's – if Big Ben plays well, they're going to be in every game. When Big Ben sucks, they're going to lose by 10. Yeah. The Broncos, the way I look at this game for them – it, it sucks that it, this is a this is a tough game, a tough game to swallow. Well, you were down early. You, you couldn't get anything going. And then the second half, they just found light. They found light at the yeah. end of the tunnel. You know, I guess. And, and it's like what we talked about Fangio Fangio not getting creative enough in his offensive playbook, not getting himself in positions where these guys are able to succeed. What are any takeaways that you have of Denver in this game? Yeah, I think they've you know, I'm definitely a lot more down on Denver uh, after this game. I'm not sure if Freddie, uh, Teddy Brid brought. Bridgewater can kind of lead that team to where they hope to be, uh, you know, and then w- would I say I, I'm, I'd be surprised if they kind of 
switch form and played played to the top, yeah, probably. You know, I feel like this game for the rest of season for the uh, Broncos might be downhill. Yeah, for sure. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I, I think both of these teams have things to look out for, uh, and then they've got stuff that can make them exciting. Uh, we'll just have to. We're, we're early in the season. We're only in week, you know, week six coming up. Talking about week five, so there's plenty of action left. Next up, the Los Angeles Rams and the Seattle Seahawks. Well, they played last Thursday, uh, but the Rams won 26-17. Russell Wilson, you know, gets taken out of the game. He gets injured. Geno Smith comes in and somehow looks like an actual solid quarterback. Uh, actually looks, uh, you know, somewhat average or above average. And, you know, this was a game that, to be honest with you, Will, obviously with Wilson out, that puts, obviously you have to evaluate that somewhat differently. But I genuinely believe Seattle needed to win this game. I really didn't think that this would be good if they lost. They haven't won a game at home. They've played two games at home. They haven't been able to win them. Uh, you got to win your games at home especially if you're in the NFC West and you're in a stacked division with the expectations that they have. How do you feel about the way that both teams played the Rams now four and one, the Rams offense starting to get some things going after a horrible week against the Cardinals. Just in general, what do you think about this matchup here? Caleb, I got to take a piss. Yeah. It was a Geno Smith game. Yeah. It was a Geno Smith game. And uh, looking ahead for the Seahawks, I'm not as, you know, terrified as normally I would be with Russell Wilson going out because it's kind of like Geno Smith might be back on the map a little bit. Yeah, uh, He's got DK Metcalf, which also always helps. Uh, I don't know when Carson's coming back, but that's going to help as well. Um, but, you know, for a tough situation for the Seahawks, it's not necessarily as terrible as if you had Mike Glennon, you know, as your quarterback, for example, which that guy's an absolute joke. Uh, but <laughs> for the Rams, I, I, you know, I think you had to get the win here. They're obviously a qual, uh, a, a top tier team, you know, they're in their, they're in that top tier. Uh, and, you know, for the rest of the is it's a win that they had to get. What are you laughing about, Lynn? Lynn, I'm laughing at your Glennon take. I don't disagree with it, but I just like that you said it. Okay, let's 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 pause the Seahawks <laughs> discussion right here. It's like, okay, Mike Glennon is a NFL backup QB. Man, that guy is so bad. Like, and I'm just wondering. It's it's like Trubitsky. Trubitsky would is probably five times better than Mike Glennon. I just don't know how that guy gets on a football field any anymore. And poor Daniel Jones, I could barely even walk off the field. Uh, but when you throw Mike Glennon in, and even though the Giants were playing well, it's just like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. my God, it, yeah, right. it, it's done. Yeah, panic, panic. But, yeah, it's a good, it's a good point you make, though, with, with the Rams, with the Hawks, because I, I think how I looked at this game, um, I really thought it was a pressure game for the Seahawks to figure out where they are and who they are. Um, but then Russell being out, you have to take different measurements. You can't just sit there and um, evaluate them like normal. Uh, but man, it's good to see Robert Woods get back, right? 12 receptions, yeah. 150 yards. That's exactly what you want to see. If you're a Rams fan, you see this team on a consistent basis. Felt like Stafford was ignoring him. Mm-hmm. Now Woods is getting the ball. He's starting to get it a ton. Let's see how that moves forward. Uh, I mean, this is a team, Will, that we know what they're capable of. There's This is a Super Bowl team, period. The Rams have that ability, so it's not a shame to lose to them. Uh, if you're the Hawks, man, I just hope that everything can get healthy. Chris Carson isn't healthy for them, right? Mm-hmm. So you could have a week where both Wilson and Carson aren't healthy, which then puts even more pressure on Pete Carroll to figure out that defense because that defense yeah. doesn't look very good either. Mm-hmm. Next up, uh, we got the Eagles and the Panthers, which the Eagles come and lead a second-half comeback over the Carolina Panthers. And what I found to be kind of shocking, I thought the Panthers would take care of business. Uh, but Devin Voss's team, the small market king, uh, had to see a loss on the schedule. Uh, Will, how do you think of this performance, really, from the Panthers and then for the Eagles to be able to come back like that? Uh, looking at it from a Panthers' point of view, it's – probably the worst thing that you could look at if I'm being honest. I feel like uh, Darnold kind of flipped off the haters to start the season. He's like, you know, the Jets just ruined me. I'm this guy. And then you play the Eagles uh, and he played, I mean, miserable. Three picks. Yeah. Horrible. Disgusting. Zach Zach Wilson level. 
maybe not that deep, maybe not that deep, but man, it was a was it opening game. And it's like, it's like, you're watching that game. And I'm like, that's, it's like the Leonardo DiCaprio meme. It's like, that's the guy I know. I, that's a, hey, yeah. that's me. Yeah. Right. So, right. Uh, the Eagles, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to hand them this dub and be like, yeah, that was a great win. I mean, both defenses played good. The Eagles, should have lost that game multiple times, but it's yeah. it's like the Panthers kind of wanted to lose. It was one of those games like who wants yeah. to lose more? Who who wants to lose more? And it was a Panthers, unfortunately. And yeah, you know, you want to say yeah, McCaffrey's out, and so that kind of uh, sure. hurts things. But Tube is not bad. I mean, no. I, he's no McCaffrey. Don't get me wrong, but Tube is a, a decent tailback, and so. Uh, if I'm a Panthers fan, I'm I'm looking at that game and I'm like, damn, that's I don't I don't like to see that. And if I'm an Eagles no. fan, I'm not looking at that game like, man, we're good now. I'm like, man, the Panthers kind of suck, actually. Yeah, I mean they they should have the Panthers should have won this game, and I think it all blames I think all the blame goes to Sam Darnold. Three interceptions mm-hmm. is just inexcusable. You can't have that in this league. You're going to lose every single time. If you're the Panthers defensively, you've been awesome, right? That clearly showed in the game. But the fact is, if your offense can't generate points, uh, it doesn't really matter how much your defense can really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just thought that, you know, for Hurts to get the comeback like he did, I think that's good. I agree with you, Will, that it's not something that I focus on too much in the short term, but I love in the long term. Mm-hmm. Because in the long term, I'm thinking to myself, well, the Panthers aren't a joke defensively. They they came in looking like a top five defense, you know, and for Hurts to be able to lead that comeback, I think that's a big deal. I understand the opportunities we're given. A lot of them were, mm-hmm. but you do that. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you play against. And, you know, they got good games from Devontae Smith, the player that I think just needs to keep getting the ball, keep getting more reps. Yeah. Uh, but from the, I think I agree with you. It's, it's a lot more on the Panthers for me. Um, you got to win this game, plain and simple. You make the moves for Stephon Gilmore. You make the moves for CJ Henderson. You clearly believe you can win. Yeah. You clearly believe you can team. be. Yeah. You clearly think that you're that good. So you got to beat a team like Philly at home. Just a fact. Just a fact. Next up, we got uh, the Bears and the Raiders, Will. Obviously, we talked a little bit about the Gruden situation, how that impacted the team. The Bears, we see Justin Fields out there getting a start. Bears come in, they win over the Raiders. And, you know, I I just, it's a game that I think says a lot about, okay, you know, what both teams just, I don't, I'm not wowed necessarily by both teams. uh, But I just think for the Bears to be able to come in, get that win on the road, I think that's a good thing. Fields getting that first touchdown pass, that's a good thing. Um, the running game, the running game's been bright for the for for the Bears. That's bright because Montgomery's yeah. out. I didn't think they'd run the ball that well. So, how should we look at this game from both teams? Obviously, we looked at it from the Raiders, you know, earlier in the show. But from the Bears, you win, you get one on the road. Yeah, the the win alone, the road win is 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 something to look look at and be like, all right, that's good. Uh, when you look a little bit more deeper into it, I'm not sure how much you can necessarily take from, from the game, considering all the factors, right? Uh, right. But you, you went on the road and you got to win uh, with a, uh, a rookie quarterback, especially sure. with all the, the stuff that's gone on earlier this season. So that yeah. alone is, is big. But next week, we're, you're coming home and you're playing the Packers. And so right. that's, I mean, that's, really when, that's really what we're going to – I think we're going to get a good look at both the Packers and the Bears because sure. the Packers should come out and stomp them. I don't care if it's at Soldier Field or not. I think the Packers should come out and stomp them. And, you know, the trend for the Packers this season uh, has been, you know, playing, playing to the level of the opponent. Uh, except for obviously that first game, sure. uh, so it's going to be it's going to be good for both teams to see. It's like okay, if the Bears keep it close, maybe they are legit. If the Bears win it, uh, you're looking at the Packers and you're like, what what are they? Bingo. Uh, but Bingo. Uh, if 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 the Packers blow them out, you know, I'm, I, I'm I wouldn't be pushing the panic button on the Bears necessarily. You know sure. what I mean? Sure. I, I mean, this was a win I didn't expect them to get. Certainly, they were able to do that. They got a game. I mean, you tell me, well, if fans thought that Khalil Herbert would be one of the reasons that they won a football game this season, 
right? He wouldn't have expected that, yeah. but he came out and he did that. He got 75 yards. I think that's really good. If they can continue to get that punch from him and when Montgomery can come back, there's some optimism there in yeah. the offense. And, you know, I think the only big thing that I'm really curious about for Chicago is just like the fact that they can't get Allen Robinson going. Yeah. Um, it's just, I don't know what that is. I do not think that's on Allen Robinson. I think that is on offensive schemes. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, it, that's the part I'm looking forward to. When are they going to let Fields really do something with the, with his arm? Yeah. Cause I no, think once it. they start letting that happen, that's when we're going to see that whatever version of the bears could be the best. That, that's a good point. He, uh, Lynn, it's, it's, it, I don't think it's on Robinson because I don't care if he's being guarded by the number one quarterback, you still find ways to get him the ball. If he's the Bingo. number one guy, Bingo. you know, it's like, Bingo. it's a, it's a, it's a Devonte Adams comparison. It's like, okay, sure. everyone knows Devontae's getting the ball, but he still gets it 10 times a game, Bingo. you know, and you gotta let, let the players, I, I heard a quote, I think it might've been Chris Collinsworth, believe it or not, but he's like talking about how it's a player, you know, you got to let players make plays and he's absolutely right. And so whether that's just quick dump, dump offs to Robinson or, uh, you know, letting fields kind of just try to sling it a bit more, you got to kind of give him the the opportunity. And I think if you're the bears, you know, there's ways to get him involved. There's ways to do, there's a way to do it, Uh, but you're obviously relying on Mad Nagy and clearly we've, can hammer on Matt Nagy all we want, but you know, Matt Nagy's not necessarily your greatest, your greatest coach. Uh, and uh, I think that that's going to be the key. How can they keep things moving? How can they make things better as a team? Cause you're not, again, I don't think you're looking to win this season. That's just not my personal opinion. You're just trying to see growth from fields. You're trying to see growth with fields and these other players. Next up lions and the Vikings kind of a fun game. Yeah, uh, I, I really kind of thought it was like, okay, I thought the Vikings were going to, you know, get them. Obviously, it's Detroit. There's not really much to say. Sorry, Deke. And the and in Minnesota, you know, they only won by a field goal. Oh, right. They only won by a field goal. And, and I have to give uh, Detroit credit for staying in it as much as they have. Uh, but, you know, how do you look at this game here? Well, I mean, obviously, you being in Green Bay, you're, you're following along with this division. You're seeing what this division has in store. What do you think of a team like Minnesota right now with the schedule they've had to go two and three, go two and one at home, get the win that they're able to get. Uh, and basically they had 30 seconds to try to get something going and they somehow did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're doing it without Dalvin cook, mm-hmm. right? How, how are you looking at this Minnesota team? Uh, Minnesota's got a high ceiling and, and it's, it's weird. I just feel like they, they haven't been able to put it together completely. I mean, Jefferson and Thielen probably close to the best, at least the top five wide receiver duo in the league, probably. Um, Cook, obviously, when he's going. Cousins is kind of like a gunslinger a little bit. Uh, which kind of, it might be part of the issue, but uh, I think the Lions might be the best zero and five team of all time. I mean, honestly, I, I feel like Dan Campbell crying in the in the presser. That's an all time moment for the Lions organization. That just is exactly what it's like to be a Lions fan uh, ever since I've been alive, at yeah. least. And so, yeah. uh, you know. I feel bad for the Lions. I really do. I used to not like the Lions much, but man, I just kind of feel bad for them. And if you're a Lions fan, you know, 100%. feel even worse for you. Uh, but I'm not going to act like I'm, I'm super high on Minnesota on paper. I feel like they, they look really, really good, but uh, you know, they probably should have yeah. been able to beat the Cardinals. You know, they should, they I agree with that. They should have beat the Cardinals. Yep. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I think on paper they look really good, but they just haven't been able to pull it out in some of these close games. And absolutely against uh, against the Lions, you kind of you have to. And so I'll, I'll, the Lions are always big, you know, collapsers, you know, kind of last moment. Um, and so I'm giving them I might even try to get a new segment on the show, Caleb, the Caleb Lynn uh, Memorial Collapse of the Week. And I'm giving it to the <laughs> the Detroit Lions. <laughs> I'm not. I, that's a good one. I'm not even going to get back for that one. I, I, I see this for Minnesota. Right. You know, the next three games at Carolina by week home to Dallas at Baltimore. 
all three of those are pretty difficult yeah. and you're going to have to, you're, you know, you, you're going to have to figure out a way to get through that. And you're going to need Dalvin cook healthy for that. Mm-hmm. Right. You're going to, you know, you're not going to win sorry. one of those. You got to win winning. One. You're not winning that. You're not winning all three of those games to Alexander Madison. You can just miss yeah. me on that. Okay. Dalvin cook needs to be on the field. Uh, Minnesota to me, the fact that they only won by as little as they won kind of causes concern, but a win is a yeah. win. And yeah. they were able to take care of business. Next up, Saints and Washington. Uh, Taylor Heineke. Uh, I don't even know what you call it. Like roller coaster. Jameis Winston. It's like a freestyle. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's just, it's one of those things. It's like when watching these two guys, you just don't know what you're going to get every week. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, this this time we saw New Orleans win 33-22. Yeah. Uh, Winston certainly had his moments. Uh, Heineke certainly uh, you know, with the two picks is not ideal. Uh, but this is a Saints team, Will, that, I mean, absolutely. You feel like they've got moments where it's like, oh, they're really good. And then it's like, wait, what? You lost? Like, yeah. you lost to the Giants at home? Yeah. Like, like, that doesn't make sense. Like, this is a team that just feels like they're all up and down. There's no mm-hmm. consistency. Um, they finally made it clear that their best player is Alma Kamara. They made yeah. that clear. 16 carries, yeah. five receptions. So, well, how do you if how are you looking at this game? Washington's defense is silly, so I can't fully evaluate the overall Saints as a whole. But yeah, it just seems like both teams are on really high highs, really low lows. You got to expect a better defense from Washington, and that's that's kind of been my surprise for them for the season. I thought that they'd be uh, at least decent on defense, and they haven't been to this point. Uh, <laughs> what's important for the Saints is what you mentioned remembering maybe that Kamara is the best player on the team. Uh, I think they were kind of bamboozled uh, by Winston in week one. Uh, if I'm being honest, they're like, whoa, we actually have a decent quarterback. And so they were trying right. to kind of run the offense through them, through him yep. from the, throughout the beginning part of the season. And, uh, you know, I'm still not too high on the saints. I think that the only reason that the, it was such, it was, they won, not the only reason they won, but a big factor in their win was that Hail Mary at the second, at right. the end of the first half. And that's a fucking fluke, man. That that's an absolute <laughs> fluke. Like, I'm sorry about it. Like if, if that doesn't go in, if that doesn't happen, the game's a lot closer and anything can happen. And you have James Winston throwing footballs. And so um, I just, I don't know, man. I don't know where I am with the saints. I'm not, definitely not high on them, uh, but you know, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Lynn hasn't been able to stop laughing. I, because, because I agree with you though. That's the, that's the summary of the saints. The Hellberry play is the summary yeah. of the Saints. Yeah. I mean, they are they are a team. Jameis Winston throws vertically down the field. Something Drew Brees couldn't do for the last four or five years yeah. of his career. <laughs> the Saints get it complete. So then it's like, oh, wait, you know, the vertical passing game's back. Yeah. But then they get too relied on the vertical passing game, and they forget about the best player on their entire team. <laughs> I agree. This, this game really summarizes the Saints perfectly. If I'm Washington, man um, – Obviously, you know, Gibson, you know, with the two touchdowns, that's good to see. Yeah. They were not getting him involved enough. They finally did that with the 20 carries despite the loss. Um, I just sit there, man, and just wonder, okay, you know, McLaurin, he can't do everything. Defense are eventually just going to put every guy on him and make everybody else beat you because the fact is Washington locks any sort of legit talent outside of McLaurin. Mm-hmm. Curtis Samuel, a man that they paid a lot, he can't get healthy for them this year, Will. They were hoping that he can be a gadget guy. He has not stayed healthy for this football team. And mm-hmm. they absolutely need his explosiveness, his creativity in the backfield, in the slot, you name it, they need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way I see this for them is it's just going to be one of those things where, you know, if I'm, if I'm the Saints, I'm just like, okay, we got this win. But I can't really think too much of it because Washington's defense is just that atrocious. Yeah. And anyhow, well, I think that'll that'll conclude the uh, that'll conclude the podcast for us. Uh, once again, do not be afraid to check out that divine rhyme. Man, they are putting out some heaters. Uh, they have been putting out some heaters for a hot minute. I'm so happy for that pod and just how they've continued to get better and better over time. You know, talking Kendrick Lamar, I mean, talking Sergio Simpson. I mean, the, the beautiful part about their episodes and something I've always appreciated. I've never told Will this is the fact 
fact is you don't have to listen to that pod. You don't have to, like I could go through Will and be like, okay, I want to listen to the Sturgill Simpson pod now. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't lose the impact. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I can yeah. listen to one of your Mac Miller pods and that doesn't lose the impact because it's kind of, in its sense, it's timeless. The way that you guys are doing that, it's got good memory. It's, it's going to last a long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that that's one of the great things about your pod. And I'm so happy for you, both of you, you and Dylan, both in your growth with this. Uh, so excited for this. Thank you so much for coming on, Will. Uh, it was terrific to have you on without a schmuck like Bryce uh, also here with us, who typically would be uh, here in this recording, but you took the spot. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I love when sanity, shatty sanity as well. Uh, but you're right. It's unfortunate. I'd like to get on here when Bryce is here, but sure. he's in his honeymoon. You know, his wedding was last week, as we mentioned. Caleb yeah. collapsed. He was in. I sure did. <laughs> he fell right on stage if you didn't yes. get it. Uh, it was, he says it was hot, but. It anyway, was. Yeah. The lights was, were ridiculous. He was helped off stage. And man, that guy's face when he was getting pulled to the back of, oh, of the church, geez. he was struggling, man. He was on the battle. And it's it's one of those situations where everyone in the crowd is like kind of looking and they're like, oh, my God, is he OK? And I'm just trying not to die laughing because I don't want to be embarrassed in front of everyone. But uh, yeah, when I was wondering, can we get that a segment? On the show, the Caleb Lynn Memorial Collapse of the Week. That's that's probably something that's going to happen now that you mentioned it. There's no question that's going to – the thing is, next week, well, you know, when Bryce comes back on, there's no question about it. I'm not going to be able to live this down. No, Man, he's going to probably give me, he's going to give a light. He's yeah, going to give a play by play break. He's going to give me a breakdown of the yeah. actual situation and scene and where they were. Yeah, there's no question. And the fact the kid, that none of the groomsmen moved an yes. inch. And I respect that because Griffith, no, none of them host did. of the Circle City Santa. <laughs> Griffith was standing there. He turned around because everyone heard the thud and uh, he just looked at Caleb and then he kind of looked up, <laughs> looked back at the crowd. <laughs> so Caleb, all time moment upstage in Bryce's wedding. Classic Lynn moment. What else could you expect? But uh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Shout out JD and Alex. JD and Alex. Alex, the, the founder of this pod. JD, obviously, been on the pod coast and seasons of the pod with us. He, they both helped me up. They were they were both the uh, the troopers after uh, about fifteen who, who just, seconds. Uh, literally, man. Literally, I was so out of it after I got that. Just to be clear, it was literally it was straight heat exhaustion. It was so sticking hot on that stage. So, anyhow, uh, there's uh, there's plenty of content for you on the Running Cook Podcast Network. We will have this out for you uh, next week, I believe. Bryce will be back, uh, but who knows? Maybe we flip in another guest. Uh, once again, thank you for listening to Lindsay.